the Lord. You love the Lord Jesus? Amen. Amen. Appreciate you, Brother Louis. Amen. Always a privilege coming. Amen. And being here with you. Amen. Exodus chapter 33. We'll just turn straight to the scripture tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 9, Exodus chapter 33, amen, we'd like to just speak to you here tonight, and I sent just a a PowerPoint, brothers, amen, just a little something, if you've got it, you could just have it ready, amen, we'll go to it, you love the Lord, are you glad to be serving God, amen, don't know anybody else I'd rather serve than the Lord Jesus, say like Paul, I'm a prisoner of love, amen, prisoner of the Lord. Amen. Certainly always a privilege to be here with you. Appreciate Brother Donnie for having us. Glad to be able to travel, amen, with my wife and, uh, and kids. And, you know, they weren't here the last time, Brother Louie, when you did all that, uh, you know, proselyting. Um, <laughs> they're here now, so if you do it now, I can't imagine the text you'd get from my dad. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You love him. Amen. I'm so glad to be part of the family of God. Amen. No, the, no, the, no family like this family. Amen. Praise God. We'd like to speak to you here tonight. If God be for us. If God be for us. Verse 9, it says, And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if, it's a big word, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the reading of your word tonight, for the assembling, Lord, of your people in this building Lord, for every individual life that's here today, Lord, that would be touched by this sermon. Lord, we pray, Father, you would, 
remove any hindrances. Lord, whoever this sermon was inspired for, for I believe that your word comes on the heart of a, of a, a yielded vessel, Lord, specifically to meet the need of an individual need. Lord, so we pray, God, for whatever life would be affected tonight, whatever you foreordain, Lord, for the words that, 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 you'll, that you'll speak, Lord, through me. I pray you'd remove every hindrance out of the way. Lord, may your word find its bedding ground tonight. Lord, may you be with us, Lord, in this service. Lord, give us the unction of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Father, we pray you'd bless, Lord, Brother Donnie, as he's away ministering, Lord. I pray for the meetings there, all the people that are gathered. Lord, your bride worldwide, may you receive the glory. Lord, we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. This is an awesome scripture, as we know, coming what led up to this point is Moses being anointed of God to lead God's family out of bondage. And they come through all the Red Sea, and we don't want to get into the story of that here tonight, but we just have something, amen, the Lord placed upon our heart. And we see that Moses comes to this place, and he's going to uh, be anointed of God. We find him uh, anointed of God there uh, on the mountain when he tells Moses, take off your shoes for the ground wherewith you're standing is holy ground. Now this holy ground can, uh, place that God was referring to, we know it wasn't a specific spot, a four by four square of, of earth or dirt that God said was holy. But Moses, God was speaking of a condition that Moses' life had came to. That Moses had came to a spot of holy ground. And now the Lord was going to commission him to deliver God's people. And, and, and Moses brings them all the way through the Red Sea. And then God is going to have this conversation with Moses because he wants him to go forward. We pick it up here and look in your Bible, please. Uh, if you have a Bible here tonight, would you dust that thing off and use it here and not depend on uh, technology? But uh, if they have it on the screen, I want you to put it for those that didn't have it. Amen. But we, we love our Bible. Amen. think we should read it. Amen. I think it should be something. Uh, there's something about hearing the, the turning of pages. Amen. The rustling of the leaves for a preacher. Amen. So Exodus 33, just keep your Bible there. Uh, turn in verse 9. Uh, and let's pick it up uh, here where he, he comes and he's going to have this conversation in verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Notice what Moses is going to say. He says, Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Moses is saying to the Lord that what I, I believe what you've said about me. You, you've said that I found grace in your sight. You, you, you've said that, I, that, that I'm on holy ground. You, you've, you've, you've said that you've ordained me and, and commissioned me. And, and Lord, I'm here to tell you today, I believe your word. I, I confess your word. I believe what your word has said about me. But God, can you give me that revelation that you have about me? You see, it's one thing to confess 
what the Word of God says about you. It's another thing to believe your confession. Are you here tonight, friends? It's one thing to say, Lord, I believe your word and, and what you've said, and you said that I'll be an overcomer. And God, I can say amen to that. I'll be an overcomer. It's another thing for that revelation to drop in your heart to where you can say, I am an overcomer. I am what the word says about me. I am going to be in his image, not just because he said it, but his word is real to me personally. Moses was saying, Lord, if I found grace in your sight uh, personally, uh, let me know, Lord, that I have found grace in thy sight. Uh, Lord, what you're saying about me, uh, but reveal it to me, God. Reveal it so that I, notice how Moses said this, so that I may find grace in your sight. Moses knew that finding grace in the sight of God was more than just hearing about the acts of God. It was more than just hearing a sermon. It was more than even seeing the acts of God. But Moses said, Lord, I want to not just know your acts or hear about your works. I want to know your ways personally, Lord. And the Bible says that to, to Israel, that, to, that God had shown his acts. But to Moses, he shows his ways. He shows his glory. And Moses knew that finding grace in the sight of God was a personal experience to the individual. It wasn't just a confession that Moses could have. He had to experience it personally. Moses was saying, Lord, this is something that I've got to know, not just what you know about me. Uh, Lord, you know many things about me. You know me from the inside out. But I want to know to have confidence to go forward another day, another step. I've got to know personally that I found grace in thy sight. I want it to be a personal presence. Notice verse 4. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give you rest. What an awesome thing to have the rest of God. And only with the presence do you get the rest. Apart from His presence, you don't get the rest. You can have the books, you can have the tapes, you can play them from the morning until the evening and still lack the rest of God in your soul. You can come to church, come and hear sermon after sermon and still lack the rest of God. You can have this Bible. You can have this church. You can have good people. You can have good music. You can have good songs. But only in His presence do you receive the rest of Almighty God. And it's not in a sermon or in a Bible, but it's in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I say tonight, Lord, I don't just want your word. I don't just want a Bible. I don't just want a sermon. I don't just want a tape, Lord. I want your presence because in your presence, Lord, I can have rest for every day that I live. I can have rest in the midst of trial. I can have rest in the midst of the storm. If I can find your presence, I know everything's going to be just all right. Oh, I want to know that I found grace in your sight. Moses was a man who was convinced that without the presence of the living God in his life, it was useless to attempt anything. Notice this. He had the Word of God and what the Word said about him. I want you to make sure you catch this in the Scripture. Moses had the Word. You say, well, all you need is the Word. All you need is a promise from God. Not according to Moses. Moses. 
Moses said, I have your promise and I believe that promise. But I want to let you know, God, I'm not going. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going. Unless I have not just your word, but your presence. Which means your person. Which means you. Not just your gift, but you. You can have the gift of the Holy Ghost and not have, you can have a gift from the Holy Ghost, but not the Holy Ghost himself. And Moses says, I want, I don't just want the gift. I don't just want the promise. Lord, I want you. Notice what he says in verse 15. If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. God says, my presence will go with you, Moses. Uh, God, God, God says, Lord, uh, Moses, uh, here's, what's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my presence with you. Moses says, that sounds good, uh, God. Uh, that sounds good. But here, let me promise you something. If you don't go, I'm not going. You notice what the determination of Brother Moses was. God said, I'm going to go with you. You found grace in my sight. My presence will go before you. And Moses said, that's a good thing, God, because if it don't go, I want you to know I'm not leaving. I'm not going. I've come to a place in my life that unless I know that I know that I know that you're with me, I can't go another day. I can't go forward. I can't go and make any progress, Lord. I've got to know you're there and you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me and your abiding presence is with me before I go forward Lord because without your presence it is nothing more than a man-made attempt at serving God and I say to you today that unless your Christianity has the presence of Jesus Christ in it, then your Christian life is nothing more than a man-made attempt at being good. Unless your life has the presence of God in it, unless my life is backed up by a living God, I have nothing more than a dress code, a rule book of do's and don'ts, and a self-help book on how to be a better person, how to, how to, how to, how to influence people, and how to, how to live a good, clean life. Oh, but my brother, I don't want that just here tonight. I want my life not just to be a, a life of, of what I do and what I don't do. I want it to be a breathing, a God who breathes upon my life, a literal reality that I hold within my soul. If your presence isn't with me every day of my life, then Lord, it's not worth it. It doesn't matter the ups or the downs. It doesn't matter the highs or the lows. Let the presence of God abide with me always. Look at first verse 15 again. And he said unto him, if thy presence... Go not with me, carry us up, not hence. He was saying, Lord, if your presence is not with me, I'm not going anywhere. I won't take another single step unless I have an assurance. We need to get to that place with the Lord. I, be I believe some of us need to get to that place with the Lord to say, Lord, you want me to go forward, but I ain't going forward unless you're with me. Oh, it was a desperation for Moses. It was like Jacob who could say, I'm not leaving until you bless me. Until I know I'm different. 
until I know I've been changed. Oh, I can hear about it. I can confess it. I can read your word of what it says. But Jacob said, I've got to know I've been changed. I'm different. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not leaving until you bless me, Lord. Oh, as the song says, I won't be denied. I'm going to get my blessing. And if I have to stay here, you'll find my bones at this altar. But I'm going to receive my blessing from the Lord because I can't live without him. I can't serve or walk this Christian life without him I can't go forward unless you go with me Moses says don't even carry us up if your presence is not with me don't even send me for wherein notice verse 16 for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found notice what he's saying in this conversation, for, for wherein or how shall it be known that, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? You say that we found grace. Lord, and you spoke to me face to face. You've revealed that to me personally, but how will anybody else know? Is it not or isn't this how they will know that you're going to go with us? <laughs> So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Notice what, the, notice what Moses is saying here in verse 16. He says, uh, wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You know what Moses is doing? Moses is literally quoting the word that God had said about him back to him. Did you catch that? This isn't Moses' words. Moses isn't bragging, saying, well, I want to be separate. Uh, I, I want to be different. I, I want to be above all the, all the nations of the earth. I want to be peculiar. Moses didn't say that. Moses is literally quoting the word that God had spoken about him back to him. And Moses is saying, Lord, this is what you said. I'm only repeating uh, what you've said. It wasn't me. Uh, you're, you're the one who, who, put, who called me, Lord. It wasn't me who called me. Oh, my brother and my sister, sometimes we need to quote the word back to God and say, Lord, it wasn't me who sought you. You sought me. It wasn't me who found you. You found me, Lord. I didn't put this desire inside of my heart. You put it there. I didn't call me to this race. You called me. Oh, hallelujah. I didn't come to this church because I wanted to. You called me here, Lord. And Moses is quoting what God said about him back to him. To say, Lord, you're the one who said it, not me. You're the one who found me. You're the one who changed me. You're the one who saved me. You're the one who filled me. I didn't put a desire in my heart to serve you. You put it there. So, Lord, I'm saying here tonight, come and finish what you started, Lord. Come and finish the work that you started in my life. I, I'm not here because I chose to be here. You called me, oh God. Oh, does anybody feel that way? From a burning desire down in their heart. Do you feel that way tonight? Just say, Lord, you're, the Bible says you're not just the author. You're also the finisher of my faith. 
Hallelujah. The same one who, who pulls the, in a race. Do you realize that the Bible says that Jesus is not just the person who fires the trigger, who pulls, pulls the trigger and the gun to start the race. He's also the one at the finish line waiting to receive you when you finish your race. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Paul said, lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset you and run the race with patience. Oh, you're the one who separated me. You're the one who called me. I'm not the one who put a desire in my heart to serve you. You put it there, Lord. Even beyond my explanation, I should be a million other places than in church. Beyond my own explanation or beyond my own understanding. Lord, you called me. Now make me what you said I was going to be. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying that to the Lord. God, make me what you said I would be. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 17, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. The first time God said that wasn't good enough for Moses. The second time, notice the first time God says it. Moses, here I'm calling you. I want you to go and lead this people. And I've called you. I know thee by name. You found grace in my sight. But Moses wasn't convinced yet. So he says it again. Well, Lord, I understand what you're saying. But if I have found grace in your sight, then show me your way, oh God. God says, okay, Moses, my presence will go with you. Oh, Lord, I know your presence. But, Lord, if it doesn't go, then don't even send us, Lord. How will anyone know? Moses, uh, you found grace in my sight, Moses. My presence, I know, Lord, you said that. What was it? It sounds like Moses isn't convinced of what the Word says about him. Sounds a lot like me And it sounds a lot like you. And he's questioning and questioning. Lord, I know you said this. And and God says, "Uh, Moses, uh, you found grace in my sight. But Lord, how will anyone know if you don't go with us? Is it it not that you go uh, with us? What was it? It was a picture of of a man who was very aware of his own mistakes. It was a man who was very aware of his own humanity. And he knew there's nothing good within me. I've looked and peered into the deepest part of my of my person. And, and I'm, I'm, there's nothing good, Lord. I, I want you to understand. Are you sure you're going to go? Because if it's up to me, this is, is going to be a disaster. And you know what the Bible says God doesn't say? God doesn't say, Moses, my goodness. How many times do I have to tell you? It could have been the first time God would say, Shoo, go away. Moses, just get out of here. 
If you ain't going to believe the word, I already told you three times my, uh, you found grace in my sight. If you still can't believe by now, I guess it's just hopeless for you. No, but the Bible says, what does God do? He just keeps reiterating the word. He just keeps telling him again. And what does he do with you and me, my brother and my sister? He preaches another sermon and says, I do love you. And you say, Lord, but I don't know if you love me, but I do love you. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. And what does he do when you lose faith? He tells you again and it tells you again and it tells you again and sermon after sermon service after service God isn't giving up what's he doing he's pouring his word into our heart to dispel all of our doubt and fears I'm so glad I'm so glad God doesn't kick Moses to the side and say well I guess it's just you ain't gonna ever believe are you No, God keeps saying it. You have found grace in my sight. And I do know thee by name. And what do we do the very next week? Oh, I just don't even know. I I don't even know. Look at me. Look at, I'm such a mess. And you come to church and a sermon's preached. And you have faith and you grab a hold. And you believe the word of God. Only to go off the next week. And and you're back down and back discouraged and back depressed. Am I ever going to make it? What does God do? He just comes the next Wednesday and tells you again. And then you go out from that service and, oh, I don't know if God loves me. I'm not sure if I'm even born again. And what does God do? Does he kick you to the side and say, just forget it? You'll never make it? No. He comes the next Sunday and tells you you're an overcomer. You're going to make it. You're going to be in a rapture. God does love you. He keeps pouring into the heart of Moses to let him know this has nothing to do with you, Moses. This is the work of God. Oh, we should give him praise and thanksgiving for that here tonight. That you don't give up on me, Lord. You just keep pouring your word. You have found grace. I do know thee by name. And if you're doubting what the word of God says about you, my brother and my sister, that's okay. God understands. God is fully aware of what doubt and fear is. God is fully sympathetic to the doubter. You may be a doubter here tonight. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. What did did he do after Thomas says, uh, the the report comes back to Thomas and says, Thomas, uh, you know, the the behold, he's risen. uh, He uh, he, he rose, his body's not there. And the Bible says, Thomas, after all of everybody else and the rest of the church is saying, praise God, he's risen. Thomas is standing over there with his arms crossed going, I don't know. I just don't know. I've got to have physical proof. And he goes further and says, unless I touch his hands... I won't believe. Now, does the Bible say God, when Jesus walks in that room, he hugs Peter and he hugs, he hugs all of his, his, uh, his disciples and then he looks over at Thomas. What are you doing here? You doubter. You unbeliever. How dare you question? How dare you have fears and doubts? Is that what God does to the doubter? No. He walks over to Thomas. He says, Thomas, here's my hands. Go ahead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead, Thomas, touch him. Thomas touches his hands. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's sympathetic to the man who doubts. 
What's God going to do? He's going to reveal himself to you. He says, Moses, I do love you. I do know you by name. I've called you. I've ordained you. I've anointed you. And whether you feel called, you are called. And whether you feel ordained, you are ordained. Whether you feel anointed or not doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you are anointed. Oh, my brother and my sister, let me, read, let, me, let me quote to you the words of your pastor. Heard him in Florence, South Carolina, preaching at a meeting. He said, when are we going to realize that when you're called to be the bride of Jesus Christ, you are anointed whether you feel anointed or not. You are anointed to fight the devil. You are anointed to overcome. You are anointed to keep going. You are anointed to get back up. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it tonight. It's what God's word has said about you. Hallelujah. I say it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what I think about myself. When I look at myself, all that matters is that he put a desire in my heart to serve him. That's why I'm here. He put a desire in my heart to to believe in a rapture. That's why I believe in it. And it doesn't matter how I get from here to there. He'll perform the word which he has spoken. Regardless of what I feel like. Verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, notice in your Bible, the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. You say, what in the world? (laughs) What was wrong with Moses? My goodness, man, why do you have so much trouble? you got to ask and argue, and I'm surprised God didn't just get irritated at you and, sh- and tell you to go away. Why? why? I, don't, I don't understand what's wrong with Moses' face. Why couldn't, with his faith, why couldn't he just accept the word of God? Why does he have to go around and around and around? Because Moses understood something that a lot of message believers need to understand. He knew that the only thing that made him any different than any other person in the world. It was not his stature. It was not his intellect. It wasn't his last name. It wasn't the church he went to. It wasn't his ability. Moses knew that the only thing that made him different and the only thing that set him apart from any old person I don't care who it is, any heathen, any man from any other country, any other nation, any other tribe. Moses was very honest in who he was in his natural state. He was just a rotten failure like everybody else. And the reason Moses contends and goes around and around and around and around is that the only reason that he was different than anybody is that God was for him. That was it. He knew that the only thing that separated him and made him any different than anybody else was the presence of God. That was it. 
That was the only difference. And let me tell you something, my brother and my sister. There's not, I don't care what you think about yourself and how high and lofty your opinion is of yourself and your church and what you believe. There is not much that separates you from anybody else and the rest of the world. There's only one thing that makes us different than any other church. And I promise you it's not our programs. It's not our preachers. It's not the ability or the charisma of our pastors or our preachers. Because there's much more charismatic, much more gifted, much more eloquent men who speak in churches than do our preachers in the message. I'm sorry if that busts your bubble or offends you. There's only one or two. There's very little things that separate us from any other church or any other Christian in the world. And it's not our music. It's not our culture. It's not our programs. It's not our skits. It's not anything. It's strictly that the presence of Jesus Christ has smiled upon us and said, I called you. I chose you. I selected you. It wasn't because of anything good within yourself. The only thing that separates our churches is that the presence of God can move into our sanctuary and go from seat to seat to seat to seat to seat to problem, 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 discerning, 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 discerning. That means that if we lose the presence of God in our churches, we are no different than anybody else. The only thing Moses knew that makes me different is that the presence of God, the shout of the king, is in our camp. Brother Branham said it this way. He said the presence, the ever presence of the living God is the lifeline of the church. That means that if you lose the presence of God in your life or in your church or in your family, you have lost everything. You have lost everything. What are you left with? Moses knows if you slice it all down, you dice it all down, you cut it all down, you remove all the facade, what do I have? I'm just a dirt dauber who's running from Pharaoh. I'm living out here in a tent. I ain't got nothing. Nobody's got no money. We ain't got good education. We don't have a good army. We don't have any weapons. We have saws and shovels and picks and axes. We're farmers. So Brother Branham said they were. They were just dirt daubers. We try to make ourselves special and intellectual and, and, and great and grand. Listen to me, my brother and my sister. The elected of God is not some special people because of their human life on earth or their career or their intellect or their ability or, or their, their, their talent. The only thing that makes them special is that God shines down upon them and His presence is with them. That's the only thing that makes them different. So what am I doing today? I am contending to say I refuse to trade the presence of God for any program or any beauty or any outward glory or any music or any great talent. I refuse to trade the presence of God for anything in my life.
I say, God, let your presence go with me every day of my life. Don't leave me, Lord. Because when you, te- when you tear it all down, there's nothing different. There's nothing different. What do you have? You have a good dress code. That's good. Good people. Interesting doctrines. Really interesting. Listen to me, friend. I'm sorry if that offends you here tonight. What do you have if you take away the presence of God out of the message? If you take away the living presence of Jesus Christ, that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, what do you have? You have good hunting stories. You have good people, good friends, good churches. Hey, pretty good music, man. If I must say so myself. But really, what makes us any different than any? Body else. Moses says, There's only one thing. Lord, are you sure you're going? I'm going. Are you sure you're with me? I'm with you. Are you sure you know me? I know you by name. Are you sure we found grace in your sight? Uh, Moses, you found grace. What was it? Moses can say, Lord, because I'm nothing special. I just want to warn you. I'm nothing special. Unless you're going, this is going to be a disaster. But Moses could say, but if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, nothing can stop us. No weapon formed against you shall prosper if the presence of Jesus Christ is there. Oh, give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Moses could say, I don't care how other nations are ran. I don't care how other nations get their guidance. I don't care how they form their strategies before they go into war. I don't care how their governments are conducted or how their rulers conduct themselves or how they conduct their armies. Maybe that's good for them. I I don't care how you run your church. There's only one principle that we abide by in this church and in this army, and that's the presence of God living with us, abiding with us I don't care how the rest of the world is ran I don't care Moses could say I don't care how they how they build their armies or their strategies we have one strategy in our army and it's not great generals with great war plans to, desi- to devise I promise you it's not a great chariots Moses could say because we don't have any we don't have any spears that we can count on. We don't have any, any chariots we can put confidence in. When we go to war, we don't have some great a million man army. We're a small group of people with shovels and picks and axes. We're not even trained fighters. Moses could say, but we do have a secret weapon. We do have a, a secret weapon. We have a weapon of mass destruction. And his name is Jehovah. And as long as he's with us, nothing will stand before us. I said as long as he's with us, we may not have armies. We may not have chariots. We don't come with armies and with soldiers and with spears and shields. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. For the name of the Lord is a high tower, uh, that a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. Moses could say, Lord, are you, 
If you don't go, if your presence is not there, look around. What do we have? We have no way to defend ourselves. We have no, no army we could fall back on. We have no intellect we can fall back on. Lord, if you're not there, if your presence is not there, then you can take that tabernacle. You could take all the curtains, all the beads, all the bells, all the whistles, all the furniture, the candlesticks, the showbread. You could take all of it. Tear it all down. Because it means nothing unless the fire of God dwells and the presence of God is there. Moses could say, you could take all of it down. You could take all of our doctrines, all of our fancy cliches. Because without the presence of Jesus Christ, without the presence of the living God, we're helpless. We're reduced to nothing. We're actually worse off than a denominational believer. I'll just preach this from down here behind this pulpit. That way if y'all decide to throw something at me. You take the presence of Jesus Christ out of this message, you're worse off than a denominational Christian who sometimes has better morals, sometimes, sometimes physically from the outside can do more service than you can, live more of servant, has, has more of a servant's heart. Some of the greatest uh, people are independent Baptist people with, with great servant's heart, wanting to build orphanages and, and wanting to build hospitals. Say, oh, that ain't what Jesus called us to do, but that's what Jesus called them to do. Yeah, that's what he called them to do. I said we would be worse off if you take away the presence of God, the shout of the king, the anointing of God. You have nothing. Let me go a little further. You're worse off than a sinner sitting on a bar stool. Luke chapter 15, turn there. Before I get myself into trouble, Luke chapter 15. Let's look at this here. Luke 15. Turn there in your Bible. You love the Lord. I want you to look at this here in Luke 15. Verse 11. You got it? Say amen. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in one, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks of the swine that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy servants. Good plan. Sounds real theological, real principle. 
You know, I've messed up. I took my father's inheritance. I squandered it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go back. I'm not going to dare ask to be a son. Again, I'm just going to say, I have it better off as a servant in your house. I have it better off than I do living with pigs. And he would have. And he says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, hold on, you don't know what you're doing. Hold on just a minute. Notice what he says. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy. Notice as his father's trying to hug him and embrace him. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Look at verse 22. I'm not even worthy to be called son. But the father said to his servants, notice he doesn't even respond to his son. He doesn't try to convince him. He doesn't preach to him. He just says, the Bible says, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be happy joyful Shouting, singing, dancing, praising, jumping, shouting. They begin to be merry. What was it here? This man had ruined his inheritance, had went and lost everything that he had received as a little boy. And he says, I'm not even worthy uh, to be called uh, my my, my father's son. I'm going to go back and I'm going to just be his servant. I'm I'm just going to live uh, in his courts and I'm just going to serve. You know, this is the mentality of so many Christians after we've messed up and and ruined our chances and, and we've made big mistakes. And some of us have made some big mistakes in our life can we be honest here tonight some of us have made some huge mistakes and some really really bad choices some of us have almost went to the point of no return and some of us have almost lost everything but somehow grace somehow grace Oh, I'm so thankful today that I know grace. I know amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Some of us have so messed up and you could say, Oh, I, don't, I can't even explain it. You know how I explain it? But God. That's how I explain it. But God. I, I was messed up. I ruined everything. I, I was living in sin. I had no chance. But God, who was rich in mercy... I'm so glad he wasn't just rich in material things, but he was rich in mercy. And the Bible says the son starts coming home. Notice he took his first steps. I don't know what that first step may be for you here tonight. When your heart starts to turn back to God, you may be in a messed up condition, lost everything, think you're not worthy to even come to church, let alone to be called a son of God. 
I don't know what, what, you, what your condition is here tonight, but I know this boy who had squandered everything. The Bible says as he started making his journey home, no doubt all of these thoughts were going through his mind. What am I going to say? What if he rejects me? What if, he, what, if, you know, what if I'm not even allowed into his gates? What if I'm not even allowed back at church? What will everybody say? What would everybody be thinking? What will, what will the people whisper about? Will the pastor even have me back? Will he allow me even to come back to the church? I know what I'll do. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a servant. I, you know, I'll sweep the, I'll sweep, I'll mow the grass and, and maybe I'll, I'll earn my way back into a seat in the church again. You know what the Bible says the father did? The Bible says the father, Brother Brandon says that father stood on the porch every day and looked for that boy to come home. And the Bible says it this way, it says, when he seeing his son from afar, Notice he didn't wait for him to come up through the door all the way down to the altar, get on his knees, repent of his sins. He didn't stand over topping to him and listen and when he's repentant of that and what he did wrong there. When he, now I'm going to watch and when he goes and makes that right and that right and that right and that right and that right, I'm, I'm going to sit here and wait and watch. And, and when he's came to sanctification, when he's really filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe after two or three missionary trips, after he puts this much in the offering, then maybe I'll come and, and I'll, maybe I'll shake his hand and start off the relationship slowly. No! The Bible says that when the father seen him when he was still a long way from perfect, when he was still a long way off, when he was still messed up and with mistakes and full of failures, the Bible says the father started running to him and he met him in the middle. Hallelujah. And God didn't wait for you to get perfect. The Bible says his love was shown to us that while we were still sinners... Father runs to this boy. Oh, Dad, but you don't, you don't understand. Shh, it's okay. It's okay. My son, who was dead, is alive again. He was lost and he's found. The Bible says they begin to be merry. What happened? A party had started. A feast. A celebration. Kill the fatted calf. Oh, and they begin to shout and they begin to dance. What were they doing? They were, they were rejoicing. They were enjoying the joy of the Father. They were basking in His presence. They were, they were feeling. They, 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 were, they were enjoying the presence of the Father. The Bible says they were making merry. Uh-oh. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And he hears the music. What in the world? I have never heard our church shout like that. What in the world? He hears it in the field. He can hear the organ. He can hear the piano. Hear the guitar. Hear the drums. What's happening up there? The Bible says he's in the field. I've never heard music like this. And as he came and he drew nigh to the house, as he got closer, he heard music. And someone say it. And dancing. He heard music and dancing. Verse 26. 
And he called one of the servants. Notice he asked one of the deacons, hey, come outside here for a moment before I go in there. Let me just check things out here. He called one of the servants and asked, what in the world is going on? What, 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 what do these things mean? I don't even know what they mean. I've never heard music like this. I've never heard dancing in the church. I've never heard shouting. I've never heard praise. I've never, heard, I've never been in this life. I've never heard this or experienced this. And he said unto him, Thy brother, verse 27, Thy brother, you know the one who was lost, the one who was in the world, the one who everyone had given up and written off? He's come. And thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was happy. And he rejoiced. And he said, I'm going to get in there and shout with him. No. The Bible says he was angry. Now notice, let's get to the cause of his anger. And would not even go to church. That's how upset he was. I'm not even going to go in. Therefore came his father out. Oh, thank the Lord. And entreated him. Verse 29. Verse 29. And he answered and said to his father. Notice what he's going to say to his father. Lo, I these many years do I serve thee. And he said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid. In other words, you never, you never slew a lamb for me. Thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Jealousy. But as soon as this sorry, low-down sinner brother of mine. What's he doing? Notice, remember what I said. You're in a worse condition without the Holy Ghost. You are in a worse condition sitting with religious do's and don'ts. I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this. You know what the Word of God does to a person? It cleans them. That's what baptism is supposed to do. It's supposed to clean you. Justification, it cleans you. But let me tell you, one of the most dangerous things for a person to be in is cleaned but empty. And this was a man who was clean of the world but empty of the presence of God. He was cleaned, but he was empty. And Jesus said, the Bible says that that man is in a horrible condition. He'd been better off that he stayed dirty. Because what happens to the person who comes to sanctification and comes to all the rules and all the do's and all the don'ts? That's what they become. They become a I do and I don't Christian. I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't smoke and I don't drink and I don't drink alcohol and I don't wear pants. I don't wear shorts and I, I don't cut my hair and I don't, I don't smoke cigarettes and I don't do this 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 and I don't do this. You become a I don't, I don't, I don't. But what do you do? I know what you don't do. What do you do? A person who Jesus said it this way says, because what happens is when that house is cleaned and empty, seven other spirits, uh, the spirit comes back to the man, finding it clean and sanctified, and brings seven more spirits. And the man's condition is worse than before he was clean. 
You say, why? Because oftentimes those seven other spirits that come back to make that man worse is not drugs and alcohol, because they already came from that. They got clean from that. Most of the time, those other spirits is religious spirits. And they become like this man. I sat in church all these years. I never broke the commandment. I never turned from you. I stayed at your side the entire time. I was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, 30 minutes early, paid 10% in offering, paid 10% in tithes. I, I did everything you asked me to do. I never smoked. I never drank. I never cussed. I never, I, I never did this. I never did this. But there was no joy. There was no love. There was no happiness. There was no pleasure in God. And there was no pleasure in sin. You see, they live in the middle. They're miserable. Man, I don't know how I got on this here tonight. I wasn't planning on it. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots and has killed, you've killed for him the fatted calf? I said all these years in church, and I never transgressed. I never did anything wrong. Yet you never turned up the music for me. There was never no joy. There was never no shouting like this. There was never no party thrown for me. Notice what the father says to him in verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. In other words, you're at church every service. You're always here. And all that I have is thine. Notice verse 32. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and found. In other words, your, 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 your joy was always here, but you never took advantage of it. The Holy Ghost was not given to make you miserable. It was given to make you happy. It was given to give you the fullness of joy. And some Christians are the most miserable people on the planet earth because there's no joy in sin and there's no joy in the Lord. I know that may choke you, but the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. So the younger brother who went, into, went to the world had pleasure in sin and now he's going to get pleasure in God and, and he's going to rejoice and he's going to dance. And this made that brother so upset and the father says it was available to you at all times. You could have shouted at any time. You could have asked for the Holy Ghost to fill you. You could have asked for the father to share his, shed his love upon you. It was there the whole time. Oh, my brother, my sister, you don't have to beg a real believer to worship God. You don't have to prod them and beg them. Raise your hands. Put your hands down. Sing to God. Clap for God. A real believer, Brother Brandon says this, it's bubbling from the inside. It's wanting to get out. What are they doing? They're enjoying their salvation. They are taking joy in their salvation, not misery. Heard it said this way, you don't have to beg an alcoholic to get drunk. You don't. You don't have to beg a druggie to take his drug. It's what he wants to do because it's what gives him happy stimulation and a high. 
You don't have to beg him. That alcoholic will let his marriage go. He'll destroy, let his job be destroyed, his driving record. He'll give everything to that alcohol just to get another drink. He is sold out to his God. He is sold out to his drug. Why? That's all the happiness he's got. That's what's been given to him in his life to make him happy. So he takes advantage of it. Let me tell you something, believers. This is what God has given you. Are we sold out Christians or are we not? You shouldn't have to be begged to praise God. You should say, I'm going to take advantage of my salvation. I'm going to be happy in the Lord. I'm going to praise Him with my voice and with my hands. It's all I've got. Hallelujah. That's what Moses was saying. Without that reality, you have do's and don'ts, legalism. You have just do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. Moses says, when you put it all together, unless you go, Lord, all the other nations may trust in their armies, but we don't have any weapons. We have sticks. We have farming tools. We live in tents. What was Moses saying, Lord? I'm nothing without you. Oh, can you say that here tonight? Say, Lord, when you slice it all down, I'm just nothing without you. You mean everything to me, Lord. Your presence with me in my home and in my family, with my children, when I'm at work, when I'm in my car, when I'm, when I'm at church, oh, I want to bring that presence with me. How does the presence of God come into the church? It's not by a song leader like Brother Louie getting up here and singing. It's not by a piano player uh, playing a music. That's not what brings it. What brings it is you. You bring the presence of God with you when you come to church. And when that happens, no one has to beg. The preacher doesn't have to labor. A song leader doesn't have to labor. The musicians don't. We are called up in a heavenly atmosphere. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice this in Abraham's life, brother, the PowerPoint, if you go to that first slide. God was so in, the, in this man's life. Look at just some of these men. In the Old Testament, this is a man by the name of Abraham who you know very well. Notice what it says here. And you could go to the next slide, my brother. It says, and it came to pass. Notice this. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of, the whole, of his host, spoke unto Abraham saying, notice this is a heathen. This is an unbeliever. God is with you in all that thou doest. This was not a believer. This was not an Israelite. This was a heathen man who didn't know God. Yet even the heathen had to testify there's something different about Abraham. Let me tell you something, my brother. When you go to work, your associates, you should not have to tell them that you're a Christian. They should know it about you. If we are who we confess and say that we are, it shouldn't have to be told to us teenagers. Your friends at school should not be shocked to learn that you're a Christian. They should know by the evident fruit that's in your life, there's something different about that person. There's something different about her. There's something different about him. 
everyone should be able to notice. What does the Bible say in the book of Acts? They were first called Christians at Antioch. It doesn't say they first called themselves Christians at Antioch. They were labeled Christians. They didn't label themselves. The rest of the world said you're Christians, which means you're like Christ. We shouldn't have to label ourselves Christians. The rest of the world should label us and say, that's a Christian. Next slide, brother. Notice this man named Joshua. God had promised to Joshua no enemy could stand against Joshua as long as the presence of God was with him. Notice, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Uh, here's why. Why? Because you're so good looking, Joshua. Because you are so tall, so strong, man. What? My goodness, you're just so intellectual. You're so smart. No. Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, Joshua. Because when God's Spirit is present with you, you can be strong. You can be courageous because nothing shall stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because of Joshua? No. Because here was the secret. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Look at this man, Gideon. The Lord told Gideon, thou mighty, notice, thou mighty man of valor. Now notice before this, I have no record of Gideon fighting any battles, winning any battles, slaying any Philistine, killing any kind of Goliath. There's no record that Gideon had any victory in his life to label him or call him a mighty man, a mighty man of valor. But notice what the word says. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Notice the order that he says this in. He doesn't say, thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with thee. But he says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. What made Gideon a mighty man of valor, Brother Terry? The Lord is with thee. It wasn't anything Gideon did. It was the fact that God was with him. It's what made him who he was. And go in this thy might. Do you know what he's referring to in the next verse? Thy might is this verse. What might am I going to go? What might are you going to go with, Gideon? Your intellect? No. Your strength? No. Your battle record? No, you ain't got one. Your weapon? No, don't have one. Just grinding, uh, you know, uh, wheat by the, by, the, by, the, by the threshold. Notice what happens. God says, go in this thy might. Gideon can say, what is my might? I'm with thee. <laughs> go in that revelation. Don't go with any looking at yourself or what you can do or what you can do, how many mistakes you make, your records of wins and losses. Here's the strength I'm going to give you to fight the enemy with. I will fight your battles. I will go before you. I am with thee. 
God tells Jeremiah that the whole nation in the next slide, the whole nation would turn against you and reject your prophecies. Though you're on fire and, you're, and your bones is shut up the fire of God, Jeremiah, you're going to be a mighty prophet of God. But all nations are going to hate you. Don't he even tells Jeremiah in one place, don't even look at their faces when you preach. Because they're going to be so angry and their face is going to have such hatred for you. God says, Jeremiah, the whole nation, I will make unto thee this. He says, and I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. Here's why, Jeremiah, because you're smart. You had a degree in theology because of your records of wins and losses, because of how intellectual you are, because of how much your obedience is. Jeremiah, you're so obedient. Man, everyone else's obedience is here, but your obedience is in the stratosphere, Jeremiah. You always listen. You do everything I say. No. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. God says, Jeremiah, this entire nation can reject you, but I'm with you. Your family may turn against you. Your mama and your daddy may turn against you, call you a cult, call you a, a cult follower, a Branhamite. Your entire family may hate you and despise you, but don't fear. I am with you all the days of your life to save you and deliver you, saith the Lord. God tells Isaiah of a special promise he makes of those who love him. He says, fear not. Notice what he says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, through the fire, through the fire? You mean I'm going to have to walk through the fire? Through the flood? I'm going to have to go through the flood? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have to go through the fire. You will have to come through the flood. But here's the promise I'm making you. You'll go through every fire and I'll be with you. You can go through the flood when the presence of God is with you. It doesn't matter how hot the trial. It doesn't matter how fierce the storm. It doesn't matter how high the flood is. You'll make it and you'll survive and overcome because I'm with you. All these men, what separated them from every other man? God is with you. The only thing that separated the ministry of William Branham, of Brother Branham, was one thing. He promised him the ever, never failing presence of Jesus Christ will be with you. And nothing will stand in your way because you're so intellectual. You have such a great education. You came from such a prominent family. You have such a good family and background and raising. No, he was the very opposite. He was the very opposite. No intellect, no family, no talent, no ability to speak. Uh, will, it, will it mean that he was going to be the greatest preacher? No. But the never presence, never failing presence of Jesus Christ, that was the only thing that separated him from other men who could speak better than him, from Billy Graham and Oral Roberts, who can have larger meetings and larger tents and, and have, a, have a larger entertainment and can be more entertaining and speak better and speak more powerful. The only difference that separated them from Brother Branham was that when he spoke, God backed up what he said. 
the never failing presence of Jesus Christ will be with thee. We're going to close. Turn to Second Chronicles. Can I have 10 more minutes? Really, is that okay? Just a few more minutes. Second Chronicles chapter 14. I want to finish this. Amen. Second Chronicles. Turn in your Bible. You can, you can kill that, brother. This is a man who we know. You've heard about him, I'm sure, of Asa. Under the prophet Azariah. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, it details this victory, this great victory that Asa is going to have over the Ethiopians. Asa, who has no army to speak of, very few men, untrained soldiers, untrained warriors, is going to go and have a great victory over a million Ethiopians, a million of them. And he's going to have this great, mighty victory over this insurmountable army and what seemed unlikely and against all odds Asa comes out on the other side victorious we pick it up here in 2nd Chronicles 14 verse 11 and Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said Lord it is nothing with thee now this is before he fights the Ethiopians this is his prayer and Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said Lord it is nothing with thee to help in other words Lord it's nothing for you to help I mean, we're in a bad situation here. Lord, all you've got to do is stretch forth your hand. Whether with many or with them that hath, have no power. He was speaking of himself. Help us, O Lord our God. You know, when you say those words, it moves God's heart. Help us. Help. Help. That's a, that's a powerful word. You say that in public somewhere. Just the words help can silence and stop chaotic crowds and, and commotion. You could be in the middle of an airport where people are going everywhere and every which way, but let a person scream out for help one time, and it paralyzes the atmosphere. How much more does it paralyze heaven when a son or daughter of God cries and says, Help me, oh Lord. Asa said, Help me, oh Lord, for we rest on thee and in thy name we go against this multitude O Lord thou art our God let no man prevail against thee so the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled what was it God in Asa's time of help moved and came on the scene now leading up to this historical victory was not a history of Israel that was very bright Leading up to Asa's time as king was very dark, was very bad. Horrible kings. Israel had sinned and, and, and had others worshiping other gods and other idols in their churches. They were by no means a name that was worthy to be called children of God. Yet they still were, even through their sin and their unbelief. What did the Bible say? God would rebuke them and chasten them. His anger would be kindled against them, but he never gave up on them. He never turned his back on them. He never forgot them. You say, why wouldn't he just forget them? God gives us that answer. Can a mother forget her suckling baby? How much more could I not forget you, Israel? Though you've sinned, though you've been in debauchery and in all kinds of evil, I can't forget Israel. She's inscribed on my heart forever. 
and Asa is going to come as a king. They were not deserving of the help of the Lord. That's why Asa praised the prayer that he praised. Yet they come with victory. Notice here of chap- chapter uh, 15, the very next chapter, the first verse. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa. And he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa. Now this is a prophet. And he's not coming at the time to rebuke. He's not coming at the time of defeat or depression. This is a time of rejoicing and victory. Asa has just conquered a million Ethiopians with a very small army. Israel shouting, they're rejoicing. And Asa says, hear me. Azariah says, hear me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with thee. And that's a The Lord is with thee. But read the very next part. While you be with him. You say, Brother Matt, we have the presence of God. Hallelujah, praise God. The presence of God is with us in our churches, in our life, in the message. We have the presence of God. As long as you're with him. Asa. The Lord is with thee. Joshua asked for the presence of the Lord and he got it. Moses asked for the presence of the Lord and he got it. Jeremiah asked. Isaiah asked and they got it. And you have asked for the presence of God and you've received it. Notice what he says. The Lord is with thee while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him. He will forsake you. Now for a long season, notice how the word is used, for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law, but when they in their trouble, this is still the words of Azariah the prophet trying to get Asa to understand, Asa, you were in need, you were in trouble. Uh, but, but I want you to remember, Asa, it was just uh, one chapter before, chapter 14, and you were worshiping Baal, serving Asherah, you had gods, you were wicked, you were vile. Come on, Asa, be real here for just a moment. Everything looks rosy right now. You're calling on me right now. But don't forget, Asa, it was just last month you were in a bar sitting on a bar stool. Just, it wasn't too long ago. Where was your prayer life? You were still coming to church, but you know good and well inside of your heart you were cold and more lost and far away from God than you've ever been. You know that you were spiritually stagnant and stale, had no prayer life, had no family uh, 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 altar or any kind of relationship with God in His church or around His people. You were still there. You still had the law. You still had uh, all the precepts, all the, all the articles. You, you were still called the children of God, but you know in your heart, Asa, for a long season of your life, you were without God. Is that what it says? Verse 3, now for a long season Israel been without the true God. Verse 4, but when they in their trouble did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found. Amen. 
You spent a long time sinning. You spent a long time far away from God. But when you turned to God, God didn't stand there and say, No, huh, uh, sorry, you were, you were three years on the run. I'm going to take three years and make you grovel and hurt and complain. You, you know good and well in your heart, you were, you, were, you were three months. For three months, you never thought of me. You never talked to me. You never spoke to me. You never prayed, you never whispered, you never said my name. You were ashamed of me. You know your heart was further away from me than it's ever been. And because of that, I'm going to make you grovel and suffer. Aren't you so glad that ain't how God does it? Aren't you so glad that that's how we are? That's not how God is. You take a person who's ever rejected you or betrayed you, betrayed your trust. Some of us can never give them uh, in any place in our life again who betray us. It's like a person who never wants anything to do with you, hates your guts, uh, talks badly about you, despises you, but suddenly you become uh, rich and, and, and you're popular and, and everybody likes you, then suddenly who wants to be your best friend? Suddenly you get something and they all come around. Oh yeah, hey, how you doing, bud? Hey, how's it going? Long time no see. Yet you spent years, you never liked me, you hated me. You despised me, you rejected me. This is what Israel did to God. You spent years, you didn't want anything to do with me. And at the very moment you get in trouble, who do you come running to? I'll just be honest, sounds a lot like me. Distress and calamity comes. What's the first thing we do? Fall on our knees. And some of us, the very first thing we have to say is, Lord, I'm so sorry. But I need you right now. And the Bible says, Asa, you spent a long time away from me. Israel didn't want anything to do with me. But I want you to remember that at the very moment they called my name, I came on the scene. Amen. Just like that. How long did it take me after you spent years running from me? But at the very moment you turned your heart and began to seek me, I immediately embraced you. I immediately came on the scene. It didn't take me six months. It didn't take me six days. I came at your beckoning call and delivered you. Because you sought me. Oh, my brother and my sister, the song says he was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. In line behind who? In line behind all your other interests, all your other hobbies, all your other ambitions, all your other desires. Behind your career, behind your wants, behind your desires. He was just waiting his turn in line. He never walked away. And at the moment I called his name, I found him. I'm so thankful that the moment I turned to God, He turned to me. Asa, when you were in trouble, you called and sought Him. He was found of you. But I want you to remember something. You want the presence of God in your life? You want the presence of God in your family? How many want it here tonight? You want the presence of God in your home, in your children, in your teenagers, in your church, at your job, in your life, with your health, with your money, with your wants, with your wishes, 
You want God in everything. And God says, well, good. God is with you as long as you're with Him. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. But as long as you're not abiding in me, don't wonder why I ain't abiding in you. And as long as you're not with me, don't wonder why I'm not with you. Thought God was supposed to be here for me. Thought He was supposed to fault my body. Thought God was supposed to. God was supposed to. This, God was supposed to do this. What about you? What about? What about you? What about me? Asa, as long as you are with me, I'm with you. I want to be with God. I want Him to be with me. You say, how do I abide with Him? Read your Bible. Turn on a tape of the prophet of God. Get down on your knees and pray one time. I know that was really deep, and I'll say it again if I have to. I know it was real theological, and I had to, you know, I know that was real deep how I said that. Let me say it again. Read your Bible. How do I abide with Him? Pray. Brother Brandon, how do I get closer to God? Read your Bible and pray. Come to church. I know it's hard to believe we have to say that in the, 20, in, the, in the day and age we live in, but we do come to church. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Wednesdays. Come to church. Be in the house of God. It's what we're supposed to do. I want strength. I want vitality. I want to be refreshed. I want to be on fire for the fire of God. And how do I get there? Abide in me and I will abide in you. I say, God, I want to stay with you. I want to abide with you. I don't want you to leave me or forsake me. I want to be with God because I want God to be with me. Oh, can we say that here today? Say, Lord, I want you to be with me every moment of my life, Lord. Oh, stand to your feet. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap of praise here tonight. Oh, give him a real praise from your heart. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Oh, God, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. When they were in their trouble, they did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, and He was found. Asa, remember, you were seeking me. And as long as you seek me, here's the promise I'll make. I'll be found of you. I'm so glad that when I seek, it ain't a game of trying to find Him and looking everywhere and looking at... God says, at the very moment you cry, there I am. You know, the Bible says, it says that that rock in the wilderness followed them. Is that what it says in the New Testament? It said that rock was Christ and that, well, that rock followed them. Followed them. It means it didn't matter where they went, it still followed. It doesn't matter what sin they went into, it still followed. It doesn't matter what the wrong decision they made, it still followed. Oh, my brother, don't we realize? He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you. Till the ends of the world. I want that for my life. Oh, how many fathers can raise up a hand and say, I want that for my family? How many mothers could say, I want that for my children? 
I want the ever, never failing presence of Jesus Christ to go with me, play something for me, brother. I want it to go with me in my job on Monday. I want it to go with me through the trials and the test of life. I want to know that God's there at all times. He can be contacted at all times. I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours. And You say, Brother Matt, how do I get back to fellowship? How do I get back to communion? How do I get back to relationship? Oh, he's, he's right there all the time. He was there all the time. I find that in my own life, it doesn't matter how far I go and how, how stagnant or stale or cold I can get. Say, Brother Matt, you can get cold, stagnant, stale? Oh, yeah. Can you? If I could be honest, can you? Can you? Can you? Get distant, get far, get cold. But I'm so glad, Brother Terry. I don't have to spend weeks and months and begging and pleading, groveling, pouring, putting ashes all over me. And oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh God, will you, will you just speak to me again? No. I find that no matter how long it's been that I've been away from God, it only takes just me whispering His name. <laughs> and He says, yes. Yes, child. What do you need? What can I do for you? The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly, boldly into the presence, into the throne, approach Him with boldness. That we may what? Find grace to help in the time of need. How many needs do you have here tonight? How many needs do you have here tonight? Lord, say, Lord, I'm coming to you here boldly, Lord, as I know how to be. Knowing, Lord, that I won't be turned away. It's not based on my merit or my works or, or my performance. Lord, you didn't base it upon that. You based it upon one thing. I'll be with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So, Lord, here I am. I lift my cup up. I lift my needs up, Lord Jesus. I want God to be for me, not against me. I want God to be for my family, not against. I want God to bless me, not curse me. I want the presence of God all the days of my life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we say it like Moses said it, Lord. If you're not with us, don't even send us. But you said, Lord, I found grace. That's what you said, Lord, of me. You found grace in my sight. Lord, I raise my hands here today. Uh, it's the feeble way. The, 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 the best way, but it's feeble. Lord, for me just to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you called me. Thank you that you chose me. Thank you that you filled me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you turned me around from the direction I was going. Thank you, Lord. You've called me, saved me. Oh, those who you foreknew. Lord, you've predestinated us to a destination. I believe we're going to make it there one day. Paul said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So glad you're for us tonight. If it wasn't for that, Lord, we'd be lost. Thank you, Jesus.
What are you playing, my brother? Sing, brother. Go ahead and sing. Oh, can you say that tonight with an uplifted hand? I can face tomorrow. Oh, yes. Here's why. Because he
Amen. Did you enjoy the Lord of the Lord tonight? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's just sing that little chorus. Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. Let's sing that as you go tonight. Amen. Service in the morning at 11. Come back expecting and believing. I think QG. Oh, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder rolls. He holds my hands when I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Oh, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. Oh, He holds my hand when I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Oh, yes, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder rolls. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Yes, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunders roll. He holds my hand. When I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Oh yes, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder rolls. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Yes, Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder rolls. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Yes, Jesus is with me. When the storm clouds gather, He's standing by my side. When I hear the thunder rolls, He holds my hand. When I begin to tremble and the winds of this world are blowing strong. Yes, Jesus is with me. When the storm clouds gather, He's standing by my side. When I hear the thunder rolls, my hand when I begin to tremble 